We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I didn't want to wake you up. But I really want to show you something. Hey everyone, welcome back to Underrated, a podcast where we discuss films that are underrated, underappreciated, or ones that have slipped under the radar and passed most people by. I am joined by Ariel Ortiz. Oh. And Alan Torres. Hey, what's up everybody? How's it going? And I am Derek McDuff, and we make up the Undercast Company. Uh, We are going to be talking about the film Where the Wild Things Are, a 2009 adaptation of the 1963 novel by, or not novel, uh, children's book by Maurice Sendak, uh, with the film written and directed by Spike Jones and co-written by Dave Eggers. Uh, when the film was released, it failed to make money at the box office, almost making exactly what its budget was, meaning it lost about $100 million dollars. It also drew a very mixed response from audiences and critics, um, particularly audiences who felt that the film was too dark for a children's film, which, ironically enough, really mirrored the initial response to the book when it came out back in the 60s by various parents. This is my pick. Uh, I picked this one because this episode is going to be dropping on my birthday. This book was my favorite book as a young child, it meant a lot to me, and this movie came out when I was in college. I was about 18 or 19 uh, when it came out. I remember this is a writing class about uh, fantasy and sci-fi, and the teacher showed it to us, and I was immediately taken back to my childhood, as I was again when I rewatched it for this. But I was wondering, you know, what did you guys think of it, and what's your history with it, if you have any, with the film and the book? I have zero history with this with the book um i actually never read it as a kid it was always like one um, of the books i kind of knew about but never really got around to reading it i actually like quickly read it right after watching this movie so so yeah so for me i don't know if it's because like i don't have that that kind of like um history with it but overall like i i enjoyed the movie um Visually, it was incredible. I did understand, like, the characters and what they had expressed and and represented to the character Max. And they're essentially, clearly, like, Carol is very much Max in in this, um, you know, in the reality scenario. And, like, um, is it KX or KW? Yes. Yeah, is his sister, and then you know his mom, and then mm-hmm. um, her boyfriend are are the other two. Um, the owls. The, the no, I don't think the owls. I think the the uh, monsters that like were like in love. Like mm. uh, I would, yeah, I would say the owls are probably more like his sister's friends. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It, mm. The owls are more his sister's friends. 
but I like reading the the book afterwards. It, I do, I do, I find it very impressive of how how they like took that book that is essentially like I'd say like not even a hundred words long of a of yeah, a story. It's it's as, I, it's ten sentences long. I think it's mm-hmm. about two hundred three hundred words. Oh, okay. Um, but but not still, even, yeah. Yeah, like taking that, like just that little of of um, source material and turning it into this was I found very impressive. The voice acting of of the characters, like led led by John um, Gruffalo, uh, no J- John Galafini. Is James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, James Gandolfini was like incredible. Um, I really did enjoy like the monsters themselves. But to speak truth, I did not enjoy Max overall as a character. Uh, I I, <laughs> I have things about to say about yeah. that motherfucker. Um, <laughs> he's very much a, a a child that I definitely was not. I definitely was not allowed to be that kind of kid. Um, and I definitely did not do not ever want to be that kind of kid or want a kid like that. I did understand where he was coming from, like. It seemed like you know his his father passed away, and then that like you know his 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 siblings have grown up, and I did I did find connection to that. But I guess like in my personal experience as as a kid, like I went in the opposite direction of instead of being a nuisance to and like out um, lashing out as a child, I kind of like pulled more further back into myself as a as a child. So. Definitely, like I see, Max is on the opposite spectrum of, of my chi- my own childhood because I do have like older siblings who who I had experienced, you know, not spending much time with them for varying reasons. But uh, but yeah, so like I just didn't connect with him in that way. I did understand where he was coming from. I didn't understand that like, he was like hurting and things like that, but. Overall, I don't think his actions um, were correct, or and I didn't really care. Even in the book, his I feel like his actions are kind of not like they're not corrected in a way. Like I guess, like in the book, maybe a little bit better because he's still like essentially grounded in his room. He was sent up to his room, but in the movie. He's greeted back with his mom, which is okay. But he's greeted with a slice of, of chocolate cake, which is very much like I feel like is not the correct way to That's kind of the point the kid, address this kid and that this kid is gonna continue to lash out and be I'm hoping that he did learn from especially from experiencing like his mirror self with Carol's character. I'm hoping. But I don't know, and I don't trust fully that he did actually learn his lesson. I really do hope that he did. But but yeah, overall, I did enjoy the characters, like, very much so. The monsters, at least. Um, and very much, yeah, they were very humanized and, and, and like, told the story of, like, of all these different people that Max has interactions with. And yeah, like, I, I think it's just kind of like a, it was a very human experience of a story, I would say. And that's what I really enjoyed of it. And the visuals, the the sets, 
wherever they filmed were like incredibly beautiful and like yeah like what you would expect from you know a, a world where monsters live uh yeah. and then just one little tidbit that i like found like really like funny or i hope i don't know how coincidental it was but going back to a movie that that we had that was one of my choices for this podcast of begin again we have the pairing of of um I don't I don't remember her name. I keep forgetting it. Oh, Mom, Kathleen Keener. Kathleen Keener and Mark Ruffalo as um a couple in in this. When as did well Begin as... Again come out? Um oh the movie Begin Again? Um I mm -hmm. I don't know. Let me check. I, I think that. it was after this, because this was oh nine. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Twenty like thirteen. Beginning okay. again. Oh, a little bit after this. Yeah. 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 But I like I like that little like cameo because because like I I didn't catch it like the first time I I, I saw it and it mm -hmm. wasn't until like he got to the island and I was like who who are playing these you know like monsters and I'm looking through IMDb and I'm like Mark Ruffalo as and then it says like mom's boyfriend or something like mm -hmm. that and I'm like oh that's cool he's <laughs> so yeah barely really a cameo but oh, yeah. yeah it's it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's so perfect. Yeah, yeah, but his by his like um words, it seems like this isn't the first time that that Max has acted mm -hmm. out in this way because he sounds like he's a very concerned of like he can't keep doing this, you know, to you like can't keep lashing mm -hmm. out and stuff like that. So that's how I feel about the movie. Yeah. I did enjoy it. I I liked the story of it. I'm just worried, and uh, along with the book, I'm just worried if the morals came through. Especially well, that's, the book is it's very ambiguous of a of a That's kind of the point though. <laughs> yeah. The book and that's why people got so mad at it is like, oh, this is not something that's teaching morality and so many books at the time were like, Well, we just need to make books to teach kids how to be good and Maurice Sendak was like, Fuck all of that. I wanna make a book about like what it feels like to be like a kind of angry lost kid and how kids aren't perfect and how parents aren't perfect, but I'll get into it more um if, uh, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll I'll go into butthole spiel later. But what what do you have to say, Alan? Um. Well, I don't want to ruin your birthday, but <laughs> unfortunately, I I didn't really dig it that much. I was kind of underwhelmed. I have no history with the book. I remember looking at the book cover all the time as a kid and going, "Damn, it looks really cool." But I never like got around to reading it, and. I don't know. It just—I I think I had expectations in my mind. I was expecting something, and like I kind of felt like I was watching, kind of like like Catcher in the Rye. Like, what if mm -hmm. like Holden Caulfield mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. like younger, mm -hmm. and I fucking despise Catcher in the Rye, and I so do I, hate but. <laughs> Holden Caulfield so this much. I do too. Which is why I kind of this kid could I, grow could grow up as Holden. I don't Caulfield. know. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think Holden Caulfield uh, is more like what you were describing, Ariel. Well, Holden Caulfield is very, very insular and doesn't. I, I really get Holden Caulfield. Holden Caulfield makes up stories and and too, like but... and and to the to the discretion of everybody else. He 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 um calls everybody phony because he himself is the, he's phony. the fucking yeah phony. that's the whole yeah. point of the book I got that <laughs> yeah he's a yeah. fucking asshole yeah and uh, but yeah no I just felt like this kid I'll be honest the first two minutes 
I was like, I want to punch the shit out of this kid. Like, I fucking hated his character so much. And I was like, oh, man. Because, like, I was really hyped. I, I, I like Spike Jones. You know, I, I, I loved him, you know, whenever he'd show up on Jackass. You know, he's a big producer for it. And I was always been very excited to see um, uh, her. I still haven't gotten around to seeing her. Oh, and I heard a lot of great. good. Yeah, I heard a lot of great things about it. So I was like, okay, you know what? I, like Spike Jones just seems to be right up my alley. And when I saw this, I was like, okay, like it's not a horrible movie. I just really hated Max, but the monster designs and the practical effects, oh, delicious, gorgeous, stunning. The cinematography was awesome. Everything was pretty great. It's just, there was a I, I again like I haven't read the book so I don't get the how the pacing was. I know you said it's only like ten sentences, but I felt like I was just kind of like, but maybe that's what he he wanted was for you just to appreciate the monsters and like the the cinematography and and the designs and everything like the perfect blend of CGI, practical effects, costuming and everything. And I was like, oh man, this is fucking awesome! Like I love that stuff, and it was really great. I just was like. I kind of just felt like I was, nah, I don't want to say bored. I just kind of felt like I was waiting for something to happen and like things happen, but I just kind of was like, oh, okay. And I can see why maybe it was a little bit difficult for audiences because I feel like, you know, maybe some audiences might see the trailer and go, oh my God, like, you know, I read that book when I was a kid and I love the monsters and the monsters look great. And I think that pulled people in, but I think it kind of has like, a little bit of a slowness to it where I can see even some kids kind of being like, Oh, what's going on? Like, I'm kind of just sitting here, you know, the monsters are cool, but what else is there? I feel like it was kind of like an adult art house indie movie for kids. Mm -hmm. If that's the mm -hmm. best way I can say it. Yeah. Like I, I feel like there was, I don't know. There's just something missing. It's not a horrible movie, but any stretch of the imagination. I, I like I said, I just hated Max. That was it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just felt like I, I needed something. I, I just I, I couldn't figure out what it was. But like, I, I will say, if there's any reason to see it, it's definitely for the monsters and the voice acting and and the and and, and like just the gorgeous visuals. Um, mm. but yeah, like I just feel like I don't know. I, I felt like there was something missing for me, and. Again, like I said, I felt like maybe it was like a prequel to Catcher in the Rye in some weird way. I can't uh, disagree more, but okay. I fucking hate <laughs> Catcher in the Rye. I fucking hate that book. I hate that book with a passion, you know, like like I said. But um, I don't know. I, I, there was just something about it. And, and, and it's sad because I was really looking forward to it. I was really, really excited for the movie. And I think it just it didn't meet what I thought it was going to be. But... Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I, I, I kind of want to I want to hear what you know, I wanted to hear what Ariel was going to say. And I wanted to hear what you were going to say, Derek, because I, I feel like maybe I missed something or, you know, I don't want to like just fully be like, fuck this movie or hate, you know, hate the movie because I'm like, I feel like there was more. And I feel like maybe I didn't pick up on it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of really am glad that we're discussing it because I'm kind of like, all right, what is it that I missed or what is it that like, I don't know, like I'm really. Yeah. Really interested in hearing like why you love it so much. Wait, um, one thing I wanted to add that I'm mm -hmm. kind of like was had 
kind of like popped into my head right now. I am tr gonna try and like throw out a little bit of hope for Max, just on the fact that like, okay, if Carol represents him, I think that we see a change in Carol at the end. Like he runs out and joins the group while Max is re is going back home, and I think I'm mm -hmm. hoping like I'm gonna try to interpret that as okay well that means that max is kind of like learned as well i just like well, i think yeah mm -hmm. i think that's yeah. Like, right yeah yeah and because it's like i know that in that the is book um correct yeah because i know in the book it, it's very much yeah. the thing and then and it's shown in the movie as well that he kind of like wants to input what he's feeling onto the monsters which is kind of like like make the monsters feel what he feels and mm -hmm. so like in the book in that way he like tells them you're you go to bed without food like mm -hmm. like he was told go to bed without food and then this he kind of like but i don't know if he was gas well there's that whole scene <laughs> where the, he, it does it has have that same scene monsters but yeah it has that scene where like she's like you don't get angry at us i you can't say that back to me but yeah i mean this is this is definitely like I was saying a movie that for me was a really big thing because you know the book was so big and Max you guys were talking about how you know you don't like Max and how he's such a little shit uh, especially at the beginning and that's like I was saying kind of the whole point the whole idea is he is the kind of embodiment of just these feelings you get when you're growing up just like where you're filled with anger and sadness and just guilt like when that beginning it's such a like heartbreaking thing where he's like mad at his sister so he just tears up the heart and then like he's immediately like oh my god like what did i do this thing that i made for myself that meant so much to both of us and i just ripped it up and you know he is just a kind of wild shitty kid and i i think so few books and films capture that feeling and what this movie does so well capturing that feeling and also just what was portrayed in the book is it's just the vibes of it and you're just kind of living in the vibes of this story world that has been so uniquely created by Maurice Sendak and it's it's sparse you know the, obviously the the kids book is very sparse but I think that the movie is very sparse you do see just kind of the monsters and there's you know the I think it's not an accident that the poster and like the slash dvd cover is just him uh Max and um uh, Carol walking through that empty desert and they, he has that whole speech about you know oh it's all going to become dust and Maurice Sendak was kind of like obsessed with death and just what happens and, and I, I just love all of that and sitting with the vibes and I, I'm kind of curious like what you would think of it in like a couple days Alan because I know you just literally watched it and I think this is a movie that you do kind of need to sit with. And I think that's the case with a lot of Spike Jones's stuff. It's just kind of weird and cerebral and it's not intellectual. It's it's more like you can't really think it out. You have to just kind of feel it. And this movie just absolutely hits me in the feels every time I watch it. Comparing it once again to the book is that it's, it's kind of, you know, weird. And Jones is is this i think one of the few filmmakers who could have do all of this justice cuz he you know just like Sendak based the book on his childhood Jones based it on his feelings as a kid 
and why Sendak wanted him to do the movie because for years and years this was in development and then finally got done with Jones and I was watching a bunch of behind the scenes stuff and there's this really good short documentary Jones actually did about Maurice Sendak's life and one of the things that uh, Sendak says in one of these behind the scenes things is that it maintains its peculiarness and I think that is so accurate because it is just so unique and bizarre in a way that feels not at all artificial like it feels just like something that came absolutely from a kid's mind and jones is kind of like a big kid that's why he's like hanging out with all the jackass guys he's best friends with the beastie boys that's where he got his start is doing beastie boys music videos he just wants to have fun and as well as all the other emotions that come out of childhood and i think overall you know i I can't really i could talk and talk and talk about you know why this worked and this worked and this worked but i think that this is more of a movie where you just kind of have to experience it on a much more emotional and much less intellectual level so yeah i and it it you know it really really it's me all of i think all the indie soundtracks and vibes and the carano just kind of ah like all really work for me it feels all of such a piece with the, what the movie is doing i like that it's you not it doesn't really say okay this is a dream this is a fantasy like it you know it definitely is you you know can interpret that because it's but it never comes out and says oh this is when he's going to the fantasy world this is when he's starting to imagine things it's kind of just like yeah you you are like a kid just going into his imagination like this and for me that's why it's it's such a big deal and i wanted to talk about it on this episode that's coming out on my birthday as I'm growing up, I just have to be, I'm 32 right now, I'll be 33 in the day this episode comes out, which is just happens to be the same age that Maurice Sendak was when he first published this, and the book kind of changed his life. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Mm-hmm. I do yeah, agree I, with I, um, mm-hmm. what you're saying. That I do like those aspects of, of the film just kind of being emotional, not intellectual. And I do like that it just kind of he just kind of goes into it like there's no explanation i I really did dig that a lot like i was like okay makes sense it's it's a kid's imagination so i did appreciate that 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 there's no explanation there's just he goes in and he goes out like i was like okay i can dig it but sorry Ariel, what were you saying oh no i i do find some relatability to like the overall journey the use of 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 imagination to create this kind of world. And I think I, I, I share this with Alan that it's just that Max is a, as a character, it, it, we, it, there's, it, you know, at least for myself, I don't know about you, Alan, like our upbringing is so vastly different to, I think what Max's upbringing is that it kind of takes, it away from it and and sadly that allows us not really connect with the main character as much that's why 
I really do hope and I would I'd love to contribute to to like telling the story of like a child that is more relatable to my childhood and to me and that just kind of having like you were talking about like you know having all these feelings and emotions and anger and all that it's like yeah I as a child had those feelings and had those but it was such a more internalized journey for myself, keeping it to myself, crying. And it wasn't much so, it, it, it's, it wasn't much so like partially, you know, parent kind of thing, upbringing like that. But then also just like on my own self and my own like dealing with problems, you know, very much like take it more internalized and like deal with it more self than acting out. Well, can, uh -huh. can I say something to that? Because I think mm -hmm. that this movie kind of plays on that because, I mean, I was like the same way, kind of had pretty strict parents and I would, I dealt with it, I think, in the same way that you're kind of describing and that Max does, like he does act out, but then he, in uh, this, he does kind of go and imagine this other world and he kind of, I think that is, when he is on the island, quote unquote, I think that is him internalizing this. He is kind of playing out his feelings about feeling like he's abandoned or by his mom and his sister because that's and he's angry about these things that really aren't anyone's fault but they're just living their lives but he's so mad about them and him kind of coming to terms with this and i think that's it's you know it's very metaphorical about him kind of going to this fantasy world and in that's how he internalizes things imagination is me being as someone who's very very creative and so i was always kind of like imagined great stories that's how i dealt with a lot of these things in an internal way too I agree with both yeah. of you guys. Um, I, you know, like I, like Ariel was saying, I, I did have a specific type of upbringing where I was very lonely. I didn't have siblings. My my sister wasn't born until I was like eleven, so that was already like a huge gap. You know, eleven years difference. So there isn't much like you know. By the time I'm twenty, she's like barely ten years old, and you can't really relate at all anymore. Mm -hmm. So I, I do understand the loneliness, like that was something I could relate to was absolutely being alone and being angry and not being able to like let go of those emotions, kind of being, you know, because I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say it out loud, that, you know, the elephant in the room is like, if I acted like that, I'd get my fucking shit kicked in. Like, yeah, I just, you know, that that's what I'm going to say. If I I've fucking been acted slapped like that, like that. Yeah. When yeah. I acted like that. Oh, yeah. Slapped, yeah. you know, smacked mm -hmm. with a belt. Fucking, mm -hmm. you know, the chunkla, the 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 classics, but the pinch. Boy, as my dad called it, the clamp. Boy, I'm gonna clamp you. Better watch out. <laughs> oh no, we don't get a warning. It just happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know that, yeah. that's the, <laughs> you know trauma, right, guys? But, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I get that aspect. You know, I agree with both of you guys. Where I feel like it's not entirely like a separate feeling, but I think there's relatability in that aspect where. I get it. I, I understand being a kid where you're being very... When I was lonely, I was kind of a brat. You know, I cried about it. I was a big crybaby as a child. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends, you know, I and I had a change at one point in time. But, yeah, it was like I understood that where I was, like, angry all the time and, and depressed and lonely because I'm like, holy shit, you know, why am I the way I am? And, you know, why does this happen to me kind of thing? So I kind of... I can kind of relate to that aspect. For, for the film and for Max's character. Yeah. I think maybe yeah. I just saw a little too much of me where I was like a little angry with myself. I don't know if that happens to you guys when you read a book or 
or watch film or television where maybe sometimes a character might hit too close to home. Kind of how we were talking about with uh, Miss Marvel, the first episode mm-hmm. of Miss Marvel, where a lot of things hit a little too close to home where I was getting fucking pissed. Mm-hmm. And it's because it hits home because you're like, fuck, that was me or that's what I experienced. So I think maybe that's one aspect of it. Yeah. No, I kind of I have the opposite. I, I kind of get drawn more to characters that feel more like me. And yeah, talking it through, like I and seeing it in this way of Max, I it, it, I guess like like it's like very much like maybe the for us like the motives are the same, but the action and the reaction, you know, is is different. But but yeah, now talking about it a little bit more and and like kind of like getting a more sense of like the the motive behind max's actions i could i could i'm getting a little bit more relating to max as a character i still don't like his actions and i think that's where the barrier happens but i think like yeah now talking more i think i'm like more connecting with his motives of what why he does this kind of stuff yeah so i i I could give i could give the, the movie and the story that the movie definitely works a little bit better um than that <laughs> i think that the book is kind of like a little bit i i i don't know you have to i i feel like you have to take a lot of jumps to make the book more relatable to me just because of the the main gist of of at least for me is like you know he he treats the from the book in the book he treats like the the monsters like he was treated and then he just gets lonely and then leaves because he, yeah, he realizes that he has a good home and stuff like that. But, but yeah, but the book, the movie, I think is, I have, I'm getting a little bit more and that's why the book, the movie is like really good. And yeah, it does, I think deserve a bit more recognition just for the fact that like Spike Jones like took like a lot of interpreted a lot into, you know, this story that like, yeah, is just 10 sentences. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think, Alan, what you were saying earlier about it feeling more like kind of an adult, like a little indie drama, I think it makes total sense because both the film and the book, I feel like they don't really want to try and be like, okay, well, let's put kids in a box and treat this like it's a different kind of story, like a kid's story is something else. And let's we, we got to talk down to kids. And that's where you know, that title of that little short doc that he did with Spike Jones, Tell Them Anything You Want. He's talking about kids. Just He's like, don't just treat kids like they're, oh, these are little kids and they need to be protected from the world. It's just like, no, talk to them like they're adults. And for this movie, it's like, yeah, this seem, this seems like an adult movie. Maybe it's for like older kids or something like that. Because um, it's kind of scary. It's pretty dark. But I think so is the book in many ways. And, and it really, like I was saying, captures all those dark feelings of childhood and, and instead of being like, okay, well, we have to put this as a separate thing for kids. It's like, no, we can treat kids like actual people, you know. And that's that's something. I mean, I'm curious what I would have thought of this as a kid. I didn't. It didn't come out till I was a late teen. But yeah, uh, it, it that I think is a really good point, and I think something that's really interesting. Yeah, that's something I agree with too. I I really like that. I like what we've been going with, like kids movies or just having kids in general. In films, they're not talking down on them as much anymore. I think this movie was kind of one of the first ones that kind of threw that shit out the window because that's mm-hmm. kind of one of the big reasons I don't like watching 
anime kids animated movies kind of how like we were talking before we were recording we were talking about like disney movies and i don't like that shit like it really it kind of gives me a little bit of a cringe factor but what i liked about this was that i know it was for kids and like i wasn't saying it as like a bad thing where i was like this feels like a art house indie movie for kids because that's exactly what it felt like it wasn't I felt like it was even challenging kids when they watched it to be like, hey, how do you feel about this? How do you interpret this kind of thing? And what I really love is that now with filmmaking and and television, that we're going down this route of like, we're treating child characters as like people, like you said, Derek, like, you know, where we have Stranger Things, fucking worldwide phenomenon. And that does exactly that. It respects the children characters and it respects them into like, you know, hey, they curse and they do stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, you know, Stephen King's It, the book, mm-hmm. and the new um, the, the new Andy Muschietti movies, where I love that. I love that it was like, hey, kids talk like this. They say stupid shit. They get involved with dumb shit. And they learn. That's what it is to be a kid. You have to learn because you've barely been on this planet. And that's why I always gravitated more to Stephen King's It, because I love... Like everyone usually says that the child storylines are more interesting than the adult ones because they're learning, they're going through these horrors and they're learning about themselves. And same thing with um, like Stranger Things, you know, these fucking kids are going through some really traumatic fucking things, but they're still living their lives kind of thing. I don't want to venture too much into those two, but I really do like that this, I really did like that this film really didn't go down that like let me baby talk you let me fucking treat you like a stupid little kid kind of thing it was like Mm -hmm. hey like this is what's going on you relate to this kid or you don't but like you're kind of seeing it through his eyes and you're and and i feel like a a kid who would see and maybe even if i saw when i was younger maybe i'd appreciate it more when i was a kid where i'd be like hey this feels more i don't know like it it hits you a certain way i guess but it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like you're being talked down to yeah yeah definitely well, before we completely rack up too, I wanted to also just kind of circle back to what you were saying earlier, Alan, about the the practical effects in this and how they really seamlessly blended the practical effects with CGI. And, you know, it's it looks so good because they did build all these huge animatronics, but they obviously, you know, touched them up with the faces. And I think that's something that is a lot of the movies that came out in this, like the late aughts had that kind of special that that special effects were like we're just going to use the cgi as i've said before on here to just kind of fill in the cracks and not do everything so you do still get the animatronics but it's just a little bit cleaned up and it looks a little bit nicer like in your imagination so you can't really see you know where the 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 world ends and where the movie starts it all blends together really seamlessly Mm -hmm. wanted to touch on that before we completely yeah, and I think that's something that's that's filmmaking has finally gotten back to doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, that specifically with like Star Wars, you know, sagas. The the original trilogy started with practical effects and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and then we we went into the prequel series and and full on blue green screen, and to the point that it was all computer graph uh, um, computer generated. But then now coming back and and getting to present day Star Wars filmmaking now we have a mesh of both and it's very much a good balance and i think that 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 it will hopefully be what we carry on into the future and i think that they found 
finally cracked the the code in a way of you there's just something with practicality that can never be recreated mm-hmm. and so practicality is always like the thing to do because you know it has to be practical to have this this you know believability like you know like it's kind of like um what is that what's that word um uncanny valley kind of situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it you can't you can't fall into the valley and and the only way to not fall into the valley is to have practicality as much as you can and then fill it in with the cgi like you said and yep. i think that that's definitely you know because and, and but to expand on you know the computer generated in other directions going again with star wars so the the background that could be computer generated they have that that stage that 360 stage that they film on Mm-hmm. soundstage that they film on and that's believability because of depth perception and all that and like that's more believable than things that are like you know in the foreground of 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 the you know of the scene so yeah yeah and and they're all just tools practical effects computer animated effects are all just tools in the toolmakers toolbox and spike jones is has such a great eye for this kind of thing you see it over and over in his films and so I think that when you have someone who has a real vision and has the means, has a budget enough, has like talented people around him, as he did with, you know, the team on this is absolutely incredible who are making these things that look like straight out of the book, but also like you could walk up and touch them. And that is so impressive. And it's, you know, it, it's really cool when something like this comes together because a film isn't just made by one guy. It's not just made by Sendak or or Jones or any of the people. It's made by everyone coming together. Mm-hmm. It also uh, contributes to the the performance itself. You know, like mm-hmm. the performer having something physical right in front of them, especially yeah. when you're dealing with a child actor. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure that that allowed him as a kid to be more immersed in and not have to like just like you know kids have imaginations but you know, i would think that a child actor isn't like too trained to like kind of come up with something like that much so so um to have something practical helps in the performance and and the emotions that you get from your actors as well i think yeah absolutely i mean i'm i'm a huge fucking defender of practical mm-hmm. effects so, like i mean that there's no shadow of a doubt that I'm always going to defend it more, but I do love the blending of having practical effects, animatronics, using CGI to fill in the cracks, like you guys were saying. And also, too, it's just it, it, when you see something on, on film and you just go, I can probably touch that. It, it brings so much more emotion. You know, I love the, the Star Wars prequels. But there are times where, like, you know, there's, like, a scene where Anakin's running up a fucking hallway. And I'm like, really? That needed to be CGI? Like, you can tell it's CGI. And, you know, I'm not saying I hate, you know, it just looks a little shoddy. Where I was like, eh. But when you see scenes, like, like in this film, where the characters look furry and, like, you know, he's hugging them and he's touching them. You're like, damn, I feel like I can, you know, in your mind, it's kind of like when you read a book. You start describing that feeling in your mind and you feel how you imagine how it feels and how it smells. I mean, one of the biggest fucking films that I've ever seen that really made me go like, holy shit, as John Carpenter's The Thing, where those effects Mm. are so fucking good and disgusting and gorgeously gross, where like 
sometimes I get nervous to go back and watch it because it's so like, oh, uh, like I I can feel it. <laughs> if it was all CGI, I'd be fine with watching it all the time and be like, yeah, whatever, you know. It's but something about those practical effects where it somehow it just gets into your mind and you go, I can touch that. Like if that was in front of me, I can feel that and I can be like, holy shit, that is a fucking alien from space. Holy crap, mm-hmm. that is a big furry monster with like big old horns and and a funny nose and. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to touch the bird guy <laughs> monster so bad. Like his sick mohawk. I was like, I just want to touch him so bad. Like, I want to see him eat food because you're like, he's real. You know, to yeah, extent. yeah. So it's so, yeah. For that, that stuff captures my imagination like all the time. So for a kid watching that, it's a, it's absolutely gratifying and, and it's awesome to see. Nice, nice. Uh, any any final thoughts on on the film here, guys? Oh, just it is an enjoyable movie. I I just you it depending on where you're you know you 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 come from um you might relate to it a little bit more um but I think that on some level you'll relate to to the movie for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely like a, a simmer type of movie because. You know, now I'm thinking about it. I'm kind of letting it simmer. I'm kind of like, okay, you know what? I get what they were trying to do. I get what Spike Jones was trying to do in company. And I'm like, all right, you know what? It's not bad. Like I said, I I don't hate it. I, again, you know, I can suck the practical effects of dick all day. But just give it a watch and see what you think. And and don't let it, you know, you got to let it simmer. You got to kind of think about it for a moment. Maybe a couple of days, because like Derek said, I might actually change my mind. I might be like, you know what? Because that happened to me with uh, the witch. I, I remember walking out of the uh, of the witch, and I was like, huh, it's not what I expected. And then days later, I was like, fuck, I really like that. So mm-hmm. maybe I might change my mind. Maybe I won't, but we'll see. I mean, it's definitely a let let it simmer. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. just a world that I love to vibe in and just kind of like live in for a little bit, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely want to visit where the wild things are. I treat them a lot better. <laughs> I I help <laughs> I help Carol out and like you're okay, Carol. You're you have friends. You you have friends. You're okay. <laughs> Bug the fuck out of that bird, dude. I'd be like, dude, let's like let me touch your mohawk. Uh, no, I'd be like, hey, let me let me fix your your arm. Let me put your arm. Back I love on. when he's got oh. the little stick arm. That was, I I know. was fucking. That sad. made me so, so sad. sad. I was oh so upset. Yeah. I was like, I just, man, fuck Carol, dude. But yeah. like, yeah, but he is a good friend, though. He like yeah. that's the thing is like I liked how he was a good friend. He's like he's understandable of Carol. Carol's just mm-hmm. needs help, and he just wants to be there for him. And I think they all know that at some point you know carol is going to going to learn that you know he is truly loved so yeah mm-hmm. yeah one last thing I, I will say so okay i know you guys were saying that it was dark i didn't feel like it was dark i didn't uh, feel it like too much either yeah, yeah I didn't, well, like, i think you know, it's for like a kid's movie yeah yeah no I, I mean like i feel like i've seen other movies other kids movies even me growing up like i, I remember Black cauldron the- <laughs> yeah uh, uh what was it That's little nemo movie. i fucking love Bar- the Black cauldron I think Little Nemo, there was a fucking scene in that movie with like a door and it always fucking scared the shit out of me. I felt that was dark. But with this one, I will say this. 
if when the bird guy got his arm ripped off and he fucking screamed in pain, that would have been that dark. Been. Like that mm-hmm. would have been yeah. very triggering. I but did. Lo- it was I did like, lo- yeah. oh, that's just my favorite right arm. I that's was like, my oh, favorite okay, cool. arm, Carol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Favorite it kind of brings in. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of brings in more of that imagination. So you're like, mm-hmm. it still makes you feel safe. Yeah. Like I yeah. was shocked. Like I was like, oh my god, his yeah, arm. Yeah, me and he's too. Like, oh, whatever. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Everything's fine. Yep, yep. Well, do you, do you have a do you have a question of the week for us, Alan? Question of the week. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh yeah. Let's see. I wasn't contemplating it. Um. Uh, well. You, I no guess I would ask. Most impacting kids film that we have. I would actually. No, I would actually say like, what kids move, kids book, would you guys want to see adapted? Mm. Oh, that's a good Ooh. question. I mean, they've done so many. They've done so many of them already. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? Okay, it's not like a little kids book, and there's already been a, a sort of an adaptation. But I would love to see like a movie trilogy for Animorphs because that was yeah. my jam oh, there's yeah. a possibility i've oh, I've, I've been hearing i've been hearing rumbling. there's been there's always whispers about it but mm-hmm. yeah like that that was dark like if you want to like read something like dark for like a seven to like ten year old because that's the way i think the age i was right when there was coming out like that's dark it deals with like genocide and like all these and like interstellar like war and like suicide and all this really intense and like ptsd i i that would be mine. Would be Animorphs. Um, a book series like this. It's a small book series. Um, well, there's yeah, it could be like a, it could be a, no. it could be like a, a book book oh, no, series no, 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 no. Yeah, or even yeah. like a like a YA. Yeah, a borderline yeah. YA, borderline. Yeah, YA. yeah, but no, for a kids' book that I would really love, a, like on a la um, Carmen Sandiego, like Netflix series, that was so would be good. Nate the Great. Um. I don't know if anybody knows Nate the Great. Nate the Great is this awesome book series of essentially this kid detective, but he's like on the verge of like Sherlock Holmes, but with a trench coat. He's awesome. I love Nate the Great. My my mom introduced me to him. And so, yeah, so he ha- he has like a dog that, of course, and he always like needs to eat pancakes to think. That's his thinking food. And I just, <laughs> I love Nate the Great. I would really love a... a uh, Netflix cartoon series of Nate the Great. So yeah. Nice. I think I would go with Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book. Mm. I think Ooh. that would be a cool little dark it's not yeah. even that dark. Like I it has dark themes, but I feel like it's like I don't know, like it, it, Neil Gaiman he just the way he writes, I just love the way he writes. It just feels very comforting in a weird way, even though it's about like death and like ghosts and stuff like that. Where I'm kind of more like, I could see them doing maybe like a cool little mini live action series, or even like a two part movie. But I, I feel like I would dig that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, yeah. it's essentially the Jungle Book in a graveyard. That's kind of mm-hmm. what it's usually uh, uh, compared to. Yeah. A book sequel to a movie uh, sequel that would also be a movie sequel that I had I was just thinking of also is um it's a sequel book to Holes. It's called Small Steps. It's about the armpit character 
in holes it tells like this story about him after of course camp green lake and i i enjoyed that book a little bit more than the actual holes i think it was such mm. a really good book so it's def it's like a different different kind of story than holes is and i really i would really love like a adaptation of that book as well and then, read that because i love holes yeah it's 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 not the same as holes like there's a mystery involved in it um but i mean like, i love that author just yeah. in general oh like, yeah so. i love lewis zach Zachar. Yeah. yeah and uh but but then another one that i just kind of like thought of uh is that that kind of that graphic novel that had just came out of a kid's graphic novel amulet that would be also a really good like um mm. animation series as well yeah yeah well, cool, cool. Well, thank thank you guys, uh, and thanks everyone for listening. Like we said, uh, we are the Undercast Company, and we do a new episode of this show, Underrated, every other week. Uh, if you'd like to hear more of us, though, we do a couple other podcasts. Uh, whenever there is a new Marvel thing, I have my podcast, Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones. On the first of every month, Ariel also has her podcast, You've Never Seen, where we are introduced to movies that we probably should have seen by this point one of us um by the others of us we've also we're gearing up to launch my uh season two of my tv podcast gateway episodes once we hit uh 10 patrons we're going to be releasing that we're getting pretty close so you guys want to hear that sign up on patreon and uh, we've already got the first episode out for patrons and we do a lot of other cool stuff on our patreon as well um we call it the undercast film club Got exclusive episodes. We did one recently on Sonic the Hedgehog 2, as part of our 8-bit cinema video game series. Um, I did an Oscar recap. Uh, we do all kinds of really cool stuff. We've got a lot more stuff planned out. Um, if you guys want to give us any suggestions for underrated movies that we should cover, uh, we would love to hear them. Just let us know. You can email us at undercastcompany at gmail.com or just let us know on Instagram, undercastcompany on Instagram, undercastco on Twitter on Facebook, all that good stuff. Um, tell us what you'd like to hear us cover and, and we might just do it. Um, but I think that about wraps it up. Uh, I have been Derek and uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for being amazing, everyone. Well, everybody take it easy and I want to give a big shout out to Ireland. Thank you guys so much for putting us <laughs> on number nine. <laughs> yes. The podcasting for uh, movie reviews, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we yes. were hit number nine on the on the film reviews charts over on Ireland. So thank you, Amy and Ariel's heritage right there. Mm-hmm. Fuck mm-hmm. yeah! So thank you guys so much. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, but yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Big thank yous all around from handshakes all around. But yeah, thank you guys and take it easy. <laughs>